church. Uh, hi, how are y'all doing? Good. Let's talk a little bit because they need me to talk so that they can adjust the sound because this microphone was used at the wedding last night. And so they need a little bit of audio track here. And hey, Jordan tells me it's good. That's great. There are a few things I want to tell you about real quick. Uh, this, is, uh, this is our last week uh, with, our, with our interns, and, and we're, we're, uh, we're sad to see them go. But uh, Chloe's already left. I mean, she couldn't, she couldn't stand the goodbyes and had to get out of here early. But uh, what we've got, you, you liked that, didn't you, Braylon? That was, uh, yeah, so Braylon and Ted and Caleb, y'all are all right there, right? Where's Ted? Where's Ted? Where's Ted? There he is. There he is. Okay, so we thank you for being here, and we hope you've had a good summer. There's a, there's a grassroots campaign underway to get Ted to do the three-peat. He would be the first uh, three-time. So be sure and write your congressman. Uh, vote early, vote often, and text the word Ted to, um, to Rick O'Dell's phone number. And um, some of y'all are going to do that. And that's okay. That's okay. Anyway, he wants to know what it's about. He can be here. So the, um, you know, yeah. Uh, that was sad. He's on vacation. He's doing well. He's doing great. So I'm just, you know, I have to say it. So you're, you're paying attention. This is good. This is good. Am I doing okay, Jake? Am I, yeah, Jake. He's, he's, yeah, you're fine. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. So, um, okay. Other thing I want to tell you about is we have one other intern. We have one other intern. Um, uh, Rachel. Where, where, where'd Rachel go? Where, where is she? There's Rachel. Rachel's going to be around with us one more week. She's our children's ministry intern. And we're very thankful for what Rachel's done. And that brings me to prayer pals. Uh, it is not too early to start thinking about prayer pals. We've done this now. Is this the third year we'll do prayer pals? This has been fantastic. And it has to do with the kids' ministry, but it has to do with so much more. It connects everyone in the congregation. Everyone can be involved in prayer pals. And so we... Uh, Rachel, for at least one week, raise your hand again, Rachel, you can talk to her about it, or you can talk to our children's ministry, Kid Men, this is Alyssa right here, it's also her birthday today, but um, yeah, but she's nowhere near, yeah, she's nowhere near 90, so I'm not going to point that out, and uh, that it's her birthday, yeah, yeah, I only mention your birthday, I figure when you mention, when you get to 90, then yeah, then that deserves being mentioned, otherwise we'd spend so much time up here doing what I'm doing right now. And, uh, but prayer pals, this, this is really good. You want to be involved in this. And those are the two people you're going to talk to. Now, I'm trying to put people out here that, that you can see and go to them so that you'll know who to connect with. And I'm going to encourage you later in the sermon to be brave, okay? Um, let me also tell you about some other folks. And this has to do with our campus ministry, uh, it is really about to begin. It really has begun. And, and, and what I want you to know, if you're here for the first time, or if you've just been here for a little while, or if you've been here for a long time, and maybe this is the first year hearing about it, is that we have a mission around the world, but also across the street. And this across the street mission actually connects with the rest of the world. God continues to give us great opportunities 
And we are going to be stacked up next week with opportunities to reach out to people, to reach out. By the way, all of this is on the front of your bulletin. Dina, thank you for putting that on the front of the bulletin. You all need to check that out. If you have any questions about what any of those events are and how you can help, first of all, you, you, you can speak to Karen Benjamin. She's coordinating some of this. Raise your hand, Karen. Let everybody know who you are. There you go. She's got a gift and a skill and a talent for putting this all together. So if you can... Uh, you know, bake Oreos or something like that, then, you know, talk to her. A, a few of you caught that. The rest of them have been just tuning out. Um, the, uh, and then uh, some of the people who are involved in this are campus ministers. Let's have, the, let's have the Rabs and the Richards both let us know who you are and where you're at. There you go. There's the leaders of our campus ministry right there, and I want you to get to know them. And um, make it a point to get to know them. Ask them how you can help. And then Coy and Haley. Where, where, yeah, Haley. Haley. Now, see, this is the kind of opportunity we've got. Yes. We love Haley. Haley's a student over there. We, we, we were obedient. Before we even hired Cade, we had someone on campus call us and say, can you feed a bunch of cub campers during the first week? And I said yes, and we had no idea how we were going to pull it off, but we got the best people, and we did it, and then Cade came along. One of those cub campers that was at that very first barbecue that we did was a young lady named Haley West, who is now Haley Sigmund, and now she, what's your official title, director? She's the overall director of cub camp, and she's our friend. How about that? So Haley is, 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 Haley's made an opportunity. But we have opportunities with international students. We have opportunities with leaders and influencers on campus. And whoever you are of any age, there is a place for you in all of this. And we will be telling you more about this as we move ahead. You know, to do things like this, you've got to have a fair amount of trust. And another word for trust is faith. We did a, a, a few sermons on love, and in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says that faith, hope, and love are the three that abide, and he means that they remain, that they continue. So what is it about these three qualities, faith, hope, and love, that do make them so enduring or abiding? It's because we find that we come back to them over and over again in our Christian walk. I think one of the reasons why messages and scriptures on love resonates with us is because we know that that has something to do with the mission. We know that trust, that faith and hope, it has something to do with the mission. And all of these have something to do with being the best qualities that God can give us to change lives. And there's stories about each throughout scripture. I want to share one with you from Mark chapter 5. Starting in verse 21 of Mark chapter 5. This, by the way, is from the Common English Bible, the CEB. So if you're looking it up online, you can find that. I really like this one on this text because it translates belief as trust. But, but you'll, you'll see where I'm going with that a little later. Before we read God's word, let's pray. Father... We thank you for your word. We thank you that we have these stories. We pray now that you would calm our hearts, calm our minds, open our minds, open our hearts, that we may receive your word, that we may hear this story, that the presence of Jesus will be 
with us and, and, and that it will come to us through the reading of this word and we will know how to be obedient to our living Lord, to our, to our King and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So, verse 21, Jesus crossed the lake again, and on the other side, a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Jairus, one of the synagogue leaders, came forward. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he pleaded with him, My daughter is about to die. Please come and place your hands on her so that she can be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A swarm of people were following Jesus, crowding in on him. A woman was there who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a lot under the care of many doctors and had spent everything that she had without getting any better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Because she had heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his clothes. She was thinking, if I can just touch his clothes, then I will be healed. Her bleeding stopped immediately. And she sensed in her body that her illness had been healed. Now at that moment, at that very moment, Jesus recognized that power had gone out from him. And he turned around in the crowd and he said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples said to him, uh, don't you see the crowd pressing against you? And yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus looked around carefully to see who had done it. And the woman full of fear, trembling, she came forward. Knowing what had happened to her, she fell down in front of Jesus and she told him the whole truth. And he responded, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace, healed from your disease. While Jesus was still speaking with her, messengers came from the synagogue leader's house saying to Jairus, your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher any longer? But Jesus overheard their report and he said to the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid. Just keep trusting. He didn't allow anyone to follow him except for Peter, James, and John, James's brother. And they came to the synagogue leader's house and he saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. And he went in and he said to them, What's all this commotion and crying about? The child isn't dead. She's only sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he threw them all out. And then, taking the child's parents and his disciples with him, he went to the room where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said, Talifakum, which means young woman, get up. Suddenly, the young woman got up. She began to walk around. She was just 12 years old. They were shocked. He gave them strict orders. That no one should know what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. Life goes on as if it had never been interrupted. Because Jairus had enough faith to go and get down on his knees and plead with Jesus. The woman, who she actually does have a name, came to Jesus. She had enough courage to come to Jesus to reach down and grab his clothes and then tell the truth and life went on for her with a new kind of peace. Faith 
is moving. Not just emotionally moving, but faith moves us to action. Jairus, and this is the name, by the way, of the woman, Figateer. This is her name. I'm going to get to that in a little bit. You're saying, how do I know that name? I didn't see that name there. Well, I'll get to it in a second. I'll tell you, that's her name. She has a name, okay? And it's, it, it, we've kind of overlooked it, but she has a name. Jairus, the synagogue leader, Figateer, the woman, each come to Jesus and they fall down at his feet. There's no, they're unashamed. There's, there's desperation, but they're not weak. They're obedient. They're humble. They're desperate. Think of the stakes that are involved. This woman has lost 12 years of her life. And Jairus is concerned that the daughter that he's had for just 12 years will be no more. Jesus. They know that much. They know that Jesus can make a difference. Now, that's their head knowledge. But their faith, their trust in who Jesus is moves them to go and seek Jesus, to get down on their knees, to ask Jesus. And notice that Jairus doesn't give up asking. He keeps asking. I know that sometimes people have been chided. You get to ask Jesus one question, you get to pray to God one time, and then that's it. Don't bother him anymore. Have you noticed that the people who keep telling others to stop bothering Jesus are the ones who are getting it wrong? Maybe Jesus isn't as bothered as we tend to think he is. Maybe we're the ones that are bothered and we're putting that off on Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't seem to be troubled by any of this. Jairus pleads. And Thigatir has to come forward and actually tell the truth of what happened. In fact, I'm, as I was reading this text, I sort of looked at the Jairus story and his daughter as the main story. And this little interlude with this woman, Thigatir, who's been bleeding for 12 years, is just kind of a, a detour. I don't feel that way anymore. I appreciate this woman. I appreciate what she's been through. I have all sorts of respect. Her story has inspired me now, and I hope it inspires you. Because she shows us clearly that faith is greater than fear. The story of Jairus does as well. But hers shows that her faith moves her to take action. In fact, she does two very brave things. First of all, she enters into the crowd. And she is ritually unclean because of her condition. Uh, because of the blood. It, get, it gives her a ritual impurity. It, think of it as being um, infected. Okay, Think of it as being contagious. I mean, this is our big fear today. If you can't understand ritual cleanliness and it's like, that doesn't make any sense. None of that's right and everything. Okay, then think about, listen, we've all become germaphobes in our society now, all right? I mean, you go to Walmart and you have to get a little handy wipe there and, you know, and wipe off the, the handle. Did we really get that much sicker before we had all that, you know? Did, were we really that worse off? And then the thing is, you don't know who touched the last handy wipe, Okay. So, I mean, there could be germs all over that handy wipe. You just think about that. I mean, you know, oh, Purell's got to be loving this because, you know, put stock in that stuff because they just, they're just they making us germaphobes everywhere, really. And, you know, things that we don't, I mean, why do certain things have seals on them like they're hermetically sealed? Like we've never had it before. 
I mean, we, we spend, it's, you don't know who touched that plastic that sealed that, that container of Tylenol. You don't know what's in it, all right? So we're all a bunch of germaphobes. And, and so if somebody has some germs, then they're going to isolate themselves. That's what this woman, Thigatier, that's what she has to do. She's concerned, her society is concerned, her people are concerned that she will somehow corrupt everybody else and so she isolates herself. But she does the brave thing of going into that crowd. No wonder she doesn't want to be noticed. She doesn't want anybody knowing that she's the woman who has had a problem with bleeding for 12 years. And she touches Jesus and she doesn't want to corrupt Jesus so she doesn't want to let him know. But she has the faith. I mean she knows, hey, if I can just touch his clothes, I don't even have to touch him, but I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed, I've heard about him, I believe, I trust, I understand that he as the son of God would have that kind of power. And she is healed. And that's it. End of story. It could just end right there. We could all move on. But Jesus has to make a big issue about this. I mean... Come on. I mean, maybe, why couldn't he just be real slick about it and just say, somebody got healed? You know, just kind of whisper to Peter and say, listen, I'll tell you about this later, but somebody just got healed. Now, he wants to know, and he's putting this poor woman on the spot. Who touched me? All of his disciples are saying, everybody's touching you. What are you talking about? No, no, no. Somebody touched me. Somebody got healed here. Well, how are we supposed to know that? And there's no reason that any of them would know that if she did not do the second brave thing, and that is identify herself. She could have been anonymous. She could have flown under the radar. No one had to know that she was there. She could have just run off. But she decides to do a brave thing and come forward, and she explains everything that happens to her. Why is Jesus so determined to have her do this? Well, if you think about it, the whole time that she's talking about her healing and her faith and her trust, standing near him is Jairus, who's wondering, is my daughter going to make it? Can he heal my daughter? Do I really believe that? And you know the rest of the story. And so when they actually do get to Jairus' house, And all the neighbors and the kinfolk have showed up with their casseroles ready for a funeral, weeping and wailing and picking out hymns. (laughs) Jesus has to say, listen, they don't know what they're talking about. Well, I think they do know dead from alive. They don't know what they're talking about, says Jesus. Don't be afraid. Just trust. If he's going to do that, don't you think he's much better? more equipped to do that after hearing Thigatier's story. After hearing her story of what God just did right then and there, now he doesn't, it's not just wishful thinking, he knows it's possible. She has glorified Jesus by telling her story. And, and, he gives her peace. I told you that she has a name. It's been right in front of us all this time, and we've never noticed it. Jesus calls her by name. He calls her daughter. The Greek word for daughter is thigatir. That's her name. Now, you say, well, it's not her name. Jesus is just talking all poetic style, right? No. 
Because it would have been very common for Jesus to say, woman, which is, a, I know that sounds pretty rough, but it's, it's basically, it's, the, uh, it's his culture's equivalent of saying, ma'am, your faith has healed you. Okay, it's very polite, it's very respectful. You say, well, why would he call her woman? You know, well, because she's not a man, that's why. Okay, um, you know, it's that simple. Uh, but he calls, her, he calls her daughter. Why? Why specifically choose daughter? Well, think about it. Jesus is establishing a few things here. First of all, he wants her to know that for 12 years she may feel like she's been ignored, but she's not ignored any longer. That Jesus noticed her, even in a crowd with everybody pushing and shoving, Jesus noticed her. He paid attention to her. And he uses that title of intimacy to tell her, you are not defined by your condition. You are not defined by your illness. You are defined by your relationship with my heavenly father. Your name is daughter. She had all sorts of names that she heard, unclean isolated, hopeless, patient. Not patience is a virtue, but patient before the doctors. Doomed, unclean. Did we say that one? It, it, she probably heard it more than once for 12 years. And now Jesus gives her the name daughter. And, and you know, she, she was already healed before this, wasn't she? Yeah, her body was healed. But in this statement, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace, healed from your disease. Now Jesus has affected the healing of her mind, her heart, her spirit. He has restored her to the community. He has restored her relationship with God if it was ever at risk. He gives her a healing that goes beyond just the physical repair of her body. It gives her peace. That's why faith abides. This woman is valued by Jesus because she is valued by God. Now, the question I want to ask you is, now, now think about this though. None of this would have happened if she hadn't been brave. Did she do anything? Was the healing dependent on her? That's the wrong question. The point is she trusted that Jesus could heal her. She didn't know how. She didn't know what, by what method. She just knew it was Jesus. Same way with Jairus. We want to figure things out when we just need to trust and be brave. Now, that bravery and that trust calls us to action. So my question to you is, what bravery does your faith call you to today? It might be today. It might be this week. It might be later on. But as you're thinking about this story, as you're thinking about this moment, as you're thinking about Jesus, and you're asking him for help, and you're turning to him, and rightly so, and you're on your knees, and you're asking him for something, ask him also to show you how you need to be brave. With that request, what courage do you need to have? It might just be the courage to ask. I don't know. What would you do if you put all your trust in Jesus and you overcame your fears? 
faith is greater than fear. If faith is not greater than fear, then let us worship fear. If faith is not greater than fear, then let us live in fear. Because fear then would be the greatest God that we know. And that would be a very sad God to worship. But why worship the God of fear? Why bow down to fear when there's one that's greater than fear? When there's one that's overcome death? Jesus was also brave. He submitted himself and trusted himself to his father. He was crucified. He was tortured. He was, a sh- he was put to shame. But God restores him. Not only gives him peace, but exalts him and makes him Lord of Lord, King of Kings. Gives him a name greater than any name, including the name of fear. What would you do if you put all your trust in Jesus the way he put his trust in God? And what would you do in order to hear Jesus say to you, Son, daughter, go in peace. Because that peace is available if you will trust in him. Father, we ask that you would give us courage and give us bravery, not just to do more on our own, but to submit more to you. Give us the bravery to trust fully in you at all times and all places, even when it's hard. And Father, forgive us when we are fearful and when we are weak, but we know that you have a spirit that gives us a strength that overcomes all that, Father. We thank you for all that you have done, are doing, and will do for us. Teach us to trust in you every day, every moment. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Right now we're going to sing a song. If you need encouragement, uh, you may need to make a choice to follow Jesus today and be baptized into Jesus, whatever it may be. Why don't you come down here where these elders are or in room 100 and let us know. Let's all stand and sing.